Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time now to go beyond the headlines. And for the next two hours, go where every sports fan wants to go. Behind the scenes and into the practice facilities, locker rooms, coaches' offices, and press boxes to get the info before anyone else. This is the ESPN 1320 Insiders. Oh, yeah. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. A very happy Thursday to you and to you, not to you, to you and to you. It's the best day of the week. And what a finish to the first half of the Kings season last night with a win over the Nuggets in Denver. James Ham, how's it going, man? Good morning. I'm good. I, I think the uh, everything is right in the world, right? It feels It feels like everything is a little bit better than it was the day before. And, and, you know, I, I think we're... Unless you're Drew Eubanks. We're, unless you're Drew Eubanks and you got punched <laughs> in the face. Um, yeah. I don't know why Isaiah Stewart went out there and treated him like uh, like you treat John Bull. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, this is one of those days where you wake up and you're like, 102-98. Uh, I don't care how you got there, Kyle. I don't care. I don't care how bad you no. looked. You no. got there. You got the W and you move forward. If you can gut out any win over the Nuggets, you will take it. If you can do so in Denver, you will take it. And if you can also do so when you're on the second night of a road back-to-back, you will take it. You will get a W any way you can, especially when, what what did we talk about all day yesterday? It was like, man, that loss in Phoenix was fine, except for the fact They've had all these bad losses, so their margin for error is so slim. You need to go get a win in Denver. And that urgency was very clearly there. There were so many moments in that game last night where I expected them to lay down. I expected them to punt on that game when they got down 10, and then it got to 15, I think, at one point. And, okay, they would hang around, and they'd get to 13. Okay, now back to 15. Okay, it's at 12. Okay, back to 15. I just felt like at some point the Nuggets were going to pull away, and they were going to win that game by 30. And then not only did they not pull away, the the Kings came back and won. I was I was blown away. That was a completely different Kings team than the one we've seen at any point this year. I agree. This is, it. number one, I think it's the best one of the season. And yeah, by a, by a lot. Yeah, by I think it, it truly is. It's the best one of the season. And then if you look at some of the ways that this game was unfolding early on, Keegan Murray couldn't buy a bucket, but it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. You could see how much energy and force he was trying to play with. He was flying yeah. around. He was doing everything in his power. He just couldn't hit a shot. And you started seeing a lot of players who were having this same exact problem. You know, and it didn't matter who it was, whether it was De'Aaron, whether 
you know, it, you, Malik Monk goes two of 11, like whatever it was, but it didn't mean that they weren't playing with the same energy and force that they play with when they win. And this is yeah. what we saw last year. This was a team yep. we saw last year for one glimmer of hope, one night, hopefully a lot more nights in the final 28 <laughs> games, but for one night, you're like, there you are. You know, it really, it's like that scene in, in the movie Hook where they're, they're trying to find Peter Pan and, and old Robin Williams. And they're like, oh, that is him. Hey, look, it's you. It's you. I found you. Hey, look. Yeah. So uh, a really good moment uh, for the Kings, in my opinion. Look, and it's not it's not a coincidence that the Kings looking more like the Kings. And yeah, they lost in Phoenix, but we talked about, you know, how, how that was a much more... Uh, acceptable performance in a loss than than kind of some of the other ones we've seen. They looked a little bit more like like the team we saw last season, but it was driven by De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis. And last night, that comeback was fueled by De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis. And when you have Fox playing the way he played last season in the fourth quarter, and you have him doing that down the stretch and scoring the team's final 10 points and just dragging them to a victory... Like, yes, that's what you want to see from him. That's what you want from De'Aaron Fox. And that's why this lull of the last month or so was so weird. It wasn't like he was playing badly, but he's capable of taking over NBA games against the defending champs in their building on the second night of a back-to-back and winning the Kings a game. And and that's what happened, and that's kind of what I expect to see from him moving forward. Yeah, Kyle, I, I think the interesting part was that I don't know if like NBA players, they, they get so used to being like on TV and in the grind, right? And being in an right. arena with, with 18,000 people. I think they, at some point, some guys forget that 18,000 people are watching them plus a whole bunch more people on TV because that's what it, it kind of mm-hmm. feels like sometimes. And I I think when when Fox looks incredible, he looks great as a player, like you see this bounce in his step and, and just this different vibe, Right. And then there's these other yeah. games where you instantly feel like something's wrong, something's off, something's awkward. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can, like, as somebody who's watched every game he's ever played, you almost know it right away. Like, uh-oh, mm-hmm. this is not going to be a good Fox night. And mm-hmm. I, he needs to understand that, that, that everyone else is watching him play. And, mm-hmm. and they're, you know, when you call him the head of the snake, it's because that's what's coming at you first. Like, a snake doesn't come at you with his tail first. And so that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> like you might hear the rattle, but the thing that you fear is getting bit by the head of the snake. Right. And right. so yeah, we're yeah, sitting yeah. there watching. We're like, oh, well, I'm not afraid of that. That's one of them. their regular gardener snakes that I don't worry about. That's what mm-hmm. uh, like half the games a season. And you're like, how do we get to a point where he understands that that's the visual as well and that everybody is watching the same thing? And they're watching him either have it or not have it. And, I mean, even opposing teams, you should be able to... If De'Aaron Fox is on, you're like, oh boy, here we go, it's going to be a long night. If not, let's beat this team up. Yeah, and I guess... I I know not every player is going to be on every single night, but that stretch of games from Fox was just... This makes it even more weird. It's... it's, uh, It's like he's he was on vacation for a month and now came back and was like, Oh yeah. Hey, by the way, I can still do this. I guess riding a bike. You need me to go 
keep us in a game where Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and the rest of the Suns are making shots. Great. I got it. You need me to go drag us to a win against Denver in Denver on the second night of a back-to-back. Great. I got it. Like that's, that's what we talked about it early in the year when, when he was scoring 30 a game and looked like an MVP candidate. I, I have him in that bona fide like superstar tier because of what he did in the playoffs. He, he leveled up his game in the playoffs and then came back in the, in the next regular season and continued backing that up. But he hadn't been playing like that for, I keep saying a month. It might be two weeks. It felt like a month, whatever, whatever that stretch. More like six weeks. Yeah. So, okay. Month, month and a half. Yeah. So whatever that time has no meaning to me anymore. No, I've got nothing for you in terms of how long 2020 was four years ago. (laughs) That's crazy to me. Anyways, (laughs) um, (laughs) <laughs> just everything everything feels like a year ago so um no but when when he plays like he did last night my it, it, this is this is kind of insane but this is just the nature of the nba my opinion of the kings changes dramatically oh yeah when De'Aaron fox does what he did last night you go oh wow they can hang with any team in the nba they can beat any team in the nba it, even in a seven game series if they got matched up against the Nuggets right now in a seven-game series, I don't know if I would pick the Kings, even though I know they're 3-0 against them this year. I don't know if I'd pick the Kings in a playoff series, seven games against Michael Malone and, and Nikola Jokic and all those guys. They have the experience. They've been there, all that. But it's like the Kings could definitely have the best player on the floor four nights out of seven, and that matters as much as anything in the playoffs. No, so, I totally agree. I mean, that's, man, I was super impressed. Just totally blown away Yeah, last night. Fox had a, he had a great quote after the game. He said, a lot of people will just lay down and just get to the break, but we know how important these games are for us. We knew we had to come in and grind out a win and we were able to do that. That's like, all right, there it is. Now you got 28 more start grinding. Like, yeah, get, get, get ready. It's going to be a long finish to the season here. And you got to be that player every single night. If he can be. Yeah, because it's really clear. Like we we talk about it on this show all the time. Even more from Keegan Murray, and that's 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 certainly true. Especially if he's going to grow into a player that is the number two scorer on a on a title team, or or maybe a number three scorer on a title team. Like he needs to get better. That's a hundred percent true. Harrison Barnes, would you like more from him on a night in night out basis? Sure. Kevin Herter, would you like to see him be more assertive, particularly offensively? No doubt. We could talk about all of these players and we can talk about the bench. Davion Mitchell, Keon Ellis, Trela. We can do that till we're blue in the face, but the Kings are going to go as far as De'Aaron Fox is going to take them. Yeah. And I, I really think you saw that last night because if De'Aaron Fox is 15% worse, they don't win that game. If yeah. he's 25% worse, they probably get blown out. No, so, I, I totally, I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Uh, we got six quick thoughts coming up, but uh, man, you know, of course, Kyle is the Niners wire guy. He he covers the Forty mm. ers Yeah, and as soon as we got off the show yesterday, they just like said goodbye to Steve Wilkes. It, it, a mutual parting of ways. <laughs> That's what I always call it when I get let go, like which doesn't happen all that often. But when, well, yeah, but with Steve Wilkes, it seems to happen more often than not. It's it's weird because Kyle Shanahan said like I have decided to part ways with Steve Wilkes or something. <laughs> it, the phrasing, the phrasing was very odd and not typical of what what you see from. Oh, I have relieved Steve Wilkes of his duties. Oh no, that means is, you got is you, how it was phrased. Yeah, you got yeah, but the then door. but then it all got but then it all got reported as 
as because on the conference calls, you're listening and then you're writing stuff down. And for me as a blogger, you're trying to do a post about it. And so you're getting everything up. And, and then I see all a bunch of the Niners beat guys saying the 49ers and Steve Wilkes have parted ways. Like, did I miss something? I think I might've missed something, but no, they, um, you've relieved him of his duties. You and I talked about it yesterday. It was very like the presser was at noon. Yeah. The, the, the conference call was at noon and we got off the show and, and five minutes after our show ended five minutes after I was like, nah, I think they keep him. <laughs> because, like, yeah, I didn't think I mean. they were going to keep him. Um, I just like when you have that much invested on that side of the ball, on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball, and yeah. it, you can look at the numbers all you want. It doesn't matter. I mean, D'Amico Ryan's, his his defensive numbers were not as good. I don't care. There were too many mistakes. There were too many things that were That's fixable. It. And, it. and it just never felt like everyone was on the same page as him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I guess at some point that's okay. But, you know, you got to make, you got to do what's right for the franchise. And I, I felt like that was what's right for the franchise, just like, and I like shout out to the Niners for, for, for actually feeling it and understanding it and then mm-hmm. doing the right thing and like moving on from a, from a guy who um, really, it, it made more sense to move on from. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into this later for sure, because I yeah. think there's a lot of uh, misconception out there about why the 49ers did this. This was not because they lost the Super Bowl. No. And we'll, I'll, we'll lay out, kind of the the timeline of this and when it started to go sideways and just kind of the signs they've been there they've very much been there and i think had even the 49ers even if they had won the super bowl i think this might have uh, been the outcome mm. so we will talk about that but we'll before we do that we got to dive into the king's best win of the year 102 98 over the nuggets in denver to close out the first half for sacramento uh what a way to finish call from mom answer it Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, back to the insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. All 
All right, we're back in here. That's James. I'm Kyle. I'm still doing the show from home, so if I sound a little strange, I apologize. Uh, still dealing with the plague, so trying not to spread that around to my coworkers. You're all welcome. Yeah, I, I appreciate right. you, welcome. Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I, I'm not I haven't taken a deep dive into what the guidelines and stuff are and like the technicalities of like symptoms because there's like symptoms for X amount of days. And then after, after five days you can be around. And I'm like, nah, I'm not, I'm just waiting until my symptoms are gone and I'm testing negative. You come in when you, when you feel better, you come back. That's, I think yeah, I'm them too, are the rules. Yeah, I'm, um, too, I'm too paranoid to, to be out here spreading germs. Uh, I share too many workspaces, right? Like the, the studio I work in, with 98 rock uh, mickey in the middays works in there i know charlie does some work in there i think jesse does some work in there and i share i literally share a room with jesse uh and if if you know once i come back i'll be sharing that studio with you and Delo and casey so it's a whole it's a whole thing i just don't want to you got your hand in the I'm cookie not, jar not, everywhere here huh yeah dude i'm just i'm just anywhere that i can put germs I'm just, I'm doing work in the kitchen. That's right. I'm doing work in the shared working spaces. I talk to the sales. I mean, it is just a mess. It, it just a total disaster. So I will be here uh, for, <laughs> for the foreseeable for the foreseeable future. But thanks, James and Jesse, for holding it down. Uh, let's get back into Kings Nuggets. The Kings, 102. The Nuggets, 98. James Hand has some thoughts on that game. How'd yesterday's Kings game go? Kings insider James Ham has six notes you need to know. Here are James Ham's six quick thoughts. What's going on, everybody? All right, James. Locked uh, in. Number one. Fourth quarter, Fox arrived. De'Aaron yeah, Fox. De'Aaron Fox wasn't perfect, uh, but he was able to find his legs. And at, at some point, he finished with 30 points on 12 of 26 shooting. Chipped in eight rebounds, eight assists, 15 points in the fourth quarter. He was brilliant down the stretch. It's it's the player that we saw last year that has not been the player that we've seen this year. And like that's who the Kings need to finish out this season. Yeah, it's that's kind of all there is to it. He played all 12 minutes. He took more than half of their shots. He only took two three-point attempts. That's the thing that jumps out to me. Mm. Darren was just getting downhill and the Nuggets didn't have anyone who could guard him. They're just flat out. So he scored, they hit 13 shots in, in that final quarter. He scored or assisted 11 of them mm. and he scored their final 10 points. I mean, that's just, that's a, that is a takeover on a level that not a lot of players in the NBA can, can do and no free throws. Didn't shoot a free throw. <laughs> uh, that that seems to be a trend this season. Okay, let's get to number two. Punching the clock. It sure does seem like Demonis Sabonis is just like going to a factory and, and working his day. He just shows up every day. He's got his lunch pail. He's got his hard hat on. Punches the clock. Goes in there and uh, drops his 37th consecutive double-double. 20 points, 13 rebounds, 7... Uh, no, no. 13 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals... Outdueled Sabonis for the second time in a week. I mean, uh, outdueled uh, Jokic for the second time this week. He was mm -hmm. tremendous. Yeah, he's really good. I just don't have anything like. It's reached a point where, I, I, 
I don't really have anything else to say. Okay. Like he just, he's a good freaking player, man. And he just goes in and does it night in and night out. There are a lot of players. I, I shouldn't say a lot. There are players in the league who are capable of going and getting you uh, 20 points and 13 assists. There are one other players who do that on a night in night out basis. And that is, that is uh different and and special and he's a heck heck of a player man yeah for me i'm never going to get to the point where i don't where i want to not appreciate it and i i think that that's oh no like, it's not that no no i know i i'm just saying like around the league i think there is some complacency about who demonis sabonis is and you look at the stats and you're just not grasping what those stats are saying and like he's just been so incredibly good so all right let's get to point number three we have a veteran influence. Harrison Barnes continued to battle despite the tired legs. He knocked down a pair of triples, got to the line. He hit the glass. He finished with probably the quietest 20 points that I can mm-hmm. remember. Um, but that's crazy to say he finished with 20 when Sabonis finished with 20 and Fox had 30, but no one else scored in double figures, and it was a yeah. quiet 20. But uh, I thought that he was really good, and the fact that he got to the free throw line, five of six from the line, when Harrison Barnes is good, that's what he's doing. I'm okay. Six. Yep. He scored 20 points on on six of nine from the field. I mean, that's just impressive. That's nice. Yeah, I, I I like. This is why Harrison Barnes, when he goes through those stretches like he had at the beginning of this year, where he's just not doing anything. Mm-hmm. This is why this game is why those are frustrating, because he is capable of doing this. Yeah. He is capable on nights where, and there were so, there were so many games this year where the Kings needed just like another player to step up and be a little bit better, and that's what you got out of Harrison Barnes last night. I thought he was I thought he was really good. He is as good as any player on the team at at getting to the free throw line, slowing the game down, drawing a foul, going knocking down his two free throws. Um, I, I I thought he did that last night really well. Uh, you see the the five boards. That's that's the kind of involvement I want from Harrison Barnes on a on a nightly basis. Whether that turns into twenty points, I, it's going to depend. But just the involvement and the activity is what is what was really encouraging for me. No, I totally agree. Yeah, he he was really good, and you know he had to be good because uh, Keegan Murray mm-hmm. was having an off night. Uh, and then point number four, uh, a tough night for Malik Monk. Um, he, he struggled like he has, hasn't struggled for a while. I mean, he's been incredible the last couple of weeks, but he goes two of 11 from the field, just six points and three assists. Just, he still had the energy though. And that's the one thing I'll, I'll continue to point out that I did not see that the, the Kings had let go of the rope. Uh, Malik Monk played 30 minutes and for him to only score six points in, in 30 minutes, that's just uncharacteristic. He turned the ball over a couple of times, but you could see like he was fighting. He was trying to be involved. He was trying to stay as part of the energy and, and the force that was going forward. And um, despite the the bad numbers, I, I still think he he played well. Yeah, didn't didn't force it in the fourth quarter. He was one of four, but there were definitely opportunities where he could have had eight or ten shot attempts in the fourth quarter and yeah. and didn't try and force that. And that's a that's a big deal. Letting letting Garen kind of take over a game in, in that way was was the right move. I, I thought it was a uh, not a great Monk performance, but definitely not one where you, it felt like he was a detriment. Yeah. Um, number five. Uh, earned another look. 
Chris Duarte has been out of the rotation. Then he got hurt. Um, and, uh, you know, we didn't know if he was going to be playing much at all. But I kind of saw it last game where I thought, hmm, if they could at least try to put Chris Duarte in when you have no scores uh, on that second unit, maybe he can help. And they put him in. He hit a huge three. He played tremendous defense. He wins the defensive player of the year uh, of the night for the the Kings, a DPOG chain. Um, I just felt like this is the type of game that he needed to have, something that he could build from where at least his energy was right and his passion for the game was right, and he looked like he, he fit in and he made at least one or two big plays. Yeah, he drew an offensive foul early in the fourth quarter. Um, he hit a big three to tie the game. When was that? Uh, with like five and a half minutes left, uh, he had a big three to tie the game. Yeah, I, I thought I thought Duarte was was really good last night, and his skill set is one that the Kings could really really use. And man, if he can contribute even a little bit, I, I like what he brings. Yeah, it kind of feels like he just got lost in the shuffle and lost in what was happening, and and mm-hmm. tried to do too much too soon. And maybe this is how they can ease him back into the into the game. Uh, let's get to number six. Running in mud. Uh, the Kings offense, uh, offense died in the, on the vine Wednesday night in Denver. Uh, second night of a back to get back, you could see they couldn't find their legs. That's why it's not an excuse. Uh, second night of a back to back is a reason, especially like this this whole you know going from one uh, going from Phoenix to, to Denver, this was tough going into elevation. They shot 43.8% from the field. They shot 27.3% from three. They turned the ball over 14 times, but 11 of those came in the first half where they were just so stuck. They just couldn't yeah. figure out a way to, to get the get the car in gear, and then boom, mm-hmm. they, they just kept battling. Yep. Yeah, and they kept battling defensively too, and I think that's, a, that's something that can't get overlooked. Um, they couldn't figure it out on offense, but they never let it get to like a 25 or 30 point lead where things just get totally out of hand. They forced the nuggets into tough shots. They continued playing good defense. And honestly, that's uncharacteristic of what we've seen from the Kings this year. Typically it's like, Oh, bad offensive start. And you see the slippage on defense and then just the, 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 the avalanche gets out of control. Uh, last night, I, I really, really loved how hard they played. Uh, to work through their their issues offensively, and that's honestly again something we haven't really seen from them this year. That was that was a big deal for me. Yeah, for a team that they couldn't shoot at all, I kind of felt like they mm-hmm. deserved to win that game. You know, you have those yeah. games where you're like, hey, they don't deserve to win this game. They're probably going to, but they don't deserve mm-hmm. it. That one was different. It was like, oh, look at them go, look at them if fighting, trying to claw and fight through through fatigue. It was good to see. All right, lots to get to. From this game, we'll continue talking about it next. We will have a Jiffy Lube Fast Break Player of the Game. We're going to have two for you. So from the back-to-back, we'll have one from the Phoenix game. We'll have one from last night's game. We'll tell you who it is from the Phoenix game next. Uh, that'll get you a chance to win a Jiffy Lube gift certificate and a Kings jersey. We'll talk Harrison Barnes. Uh, we'll talk Kings, where they sit in the standings. And uh, is the All-Star break uh, good or bad? We'll tell you why next on ESPN 1320. Now, back to the Insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Matson, Brought to you by Jiffy Lou on ESPN 1320. A really good Kings win last night. We're talking about that. I'm Kyle. He's James. We're hanging out with you until noon, and then we will hand it off to D'Lo and KC, and they'll take you up to 4 o'clock <clears throat> right here on ESPN 1320. 
Uh, Sacramento sports leader will also discuss the 49ers who have uh, relieved defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes of his duties. Who do they replace him with? Uh, was it the right move? We'll talk about all that. We'll have Nick Wagner who covers the 49ers for ESPN. He'll be joining us at 1130 to discuss what's next for the San Francisco football 49ers. But before we do that, let's continue digging in to this, this Kings win last night. They're 31 and 23 now at the all-star break. They are uh, a couple of games worse than, than last year. No, I guess they're, they have a few, one fewer win, but two, two fewer losses. Mm -hmm. So game in a game, half game better. I don't know how that exactly works in the, in the standings. I didn't calculate the winning percentage, but James, I I wanted to ask you this question because we talked so much about how like, man, this team needs the all-star break. His team needs to get to the break. They need a reset. They need a few days off, get away from basketball. But now is there any concern that that's a momentum killer because they had played so well against Phoenix and they go in and they, they didn't play great against Denver, but they figured out a way to get a win. Okay. Now things start to get rolling. De'Aaron Fox, the back. Demonis Abonis is still dominating. Everything seems to be rolling the right direction. And now, Oh, hang on hit pause for a week. Nobody do anything. Okay, so I guess you could look at it that way, but for me, this team needed a sure. break. I, I mean, mm -hmm. they needed a break really, really bad. You could see it just like the general malaise of the team. You know, you, you get to a point where guys are worn out, guys are they're nursing so many bumps and bruises. I mean, we even talked about, you know, the Phoenix game, um, you know, like De'Aaron Fox got crushed. You know, a, a total hatchet job, you know, hitting the head, thrown into the stanchion. Like, if you don't think that that hurt, you know, you're wrong. You know, so mm -hmm. the fact is that, like, even if uh, if a player is is not on the injury report, that doesn't mean that they're okay. And I, I think even sure. for a player like Chris Duarte, you know, he, he's coming back off a sprained ankle. And, you know, they again, they said it was a moderate ankle sprain. I'm going to look at that. I'm going to say it's a grade two and he's back in a week and a half, two weeks. He probably mm -hmm. needs more time, you know, but he probably also wants to be out there and wants to help his team. So I think this is a good moment for a team to have some positivity going into the break where it's not like we're down in the doldrums and we suck and this is horrible and our season shot. You're going mm -hmm. into the break. You're getting a opportunity to go out and you know maybe take a little vacation spend some time at home with the the family um just heal up and and the teams can't even they can't even uh like practice like this isn't you can practice like there's two days coming out of the break where teams can hold practices but even the first one is in the evening um there's not even availability until like four or five in the afternoon where teams can actually have guys back in the gym Guys wow. can come in and work out if they want, and they can come in and shoot if they want in the gym. They all have like a thumbprint or facial identification where mm -hmm. they can walk in and go to the practice facility and get work in. And they can even have like a trainers there to make sure that they're not hurting themselves lifting weights, and, and they mm -hmm. can have somebody shagging the ball for them. But what they can't do is have organized practices or anything else. This is just a really good moment for, for people to hit a reset button, get away from the game, forget about the game for a minute, and try mm -hmm. to focus on something else, and then you come back renewed and fresh. And I, I think the perfect way to to go into the break was to play well against Phoenix and, and not come up with a win, but to go in to Denver the next game and just show the grit and the grind 
that you can yeah. be that team and and really build some confidence. So I don't think there's any negatives to the break. Uh, if uh, for the Kings at all, I, I think that this is exactly what they needed. So are you coming around to my way of thinking that it's actually good that Demona Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox didn't make the All Star game? Um, no. Come I, on, I, yeah, come I, over to this side. One of them not making it, uh, the other one making it. Yeah, but I still think it's so blatantly disrespectful. And sure. like I keep saying this, like. If I'm Demonis Sabonis, and you know, and if you're someone who covers him and someone who watches him out there, you should be pulling for him to be a Hall of Famer, right? And I'm not saying that De'Aaron Fox, you shouldn't be doing the same thing, but I think De'Aaron Fox's pathway to the Hall of Fame is different than Demonis Sabonis's because Sabonis mm-hmm. is a grinder. He's not flashy. He's not. He he might not even when he's done playing be all that like remembered because. That's it's a workmanlike quality to him that that kind mm-hmm. of he does his thing, and you get to a fourth, uh, you know, All Star game, and that puts you in a different stratosphere. And and I think that he's on pace to become a Hall of Famer. And I really do think he was robbed here. And I think he's one of the best, you know, ten, twelve, fifteen players in the league. Um, we can all argue who those players would be, but just like statistically speaking, you can't just keep being statistically one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. And for everyone to not say that you're not one of the best players in the league, like at what point does it, does your stats and who you are and what you've meant to a franchise, like change the the conversation around you? And I, and I think with mm-hmm. Sabonis, it just doesn't for some reason. People just keep looking at him the wrong way, and uh, when it's all said and done, he'll go down. I mean, he he picked up his fiftieth fiftieth triple double on Tuesday night. And he's mm-hmm. like the 11th player in the history of the NBA to have 50 career triple doubles. And he's 27 years old, 28 years old. Like he mm-hmm. could string together another hundred and something triple doubles and go down as one of the top triple double guys of all time, which is a valuable mm-hmm. stat. I mean, these are things that like people try to do. And so mm-hmm. I just think that I would have rather seen him in the all-star game because I want him to get those props. I want him to have sort of the pathway to uh to a hall of fame career i think he's i don't here's i don't disagree at all i have no qualms with any of that like i have nothing i have nothing against any of that but i think my my point is is that aside silver lining if you're looking for yeah is everything you said before that about how much rest they need and getting out, getting away from the game and not be, I mean, the all-star, the all-star game for players, is like media re- availabilities and there's this uh, community function they're doing. And then you know, they're going out on this night and then they got to go out to this thing and then they got to play it in this game. And it just seems exhausting. <clears throat> so that's it. That's the, the silver lining. Like you said, there's all these benefits and I get it and I and I understand all that and he should have gone and it's a it's a it's a sham that he didn't and I am there. I am with everybody who believes that. I, but I, yeah. But if I'm if I'm also taking a step back and going like, okay, is there any good that can come out of this? It's like, oh yeah, he doesn't have to deal with all the stuff that comes with going to the all-star game. Just gets to hang out and 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 get some rest and then come back and be awesome at basketball. So by the end of the year, when he's an all NBA guy, we can all sit here and go, wait, how didn't he make an all-star team? And I say, we all meaning 
the larger basketball populace who is not sitting there saying that right now. Yeah, and you know, you're right. Like as far as like from the basketball standpoint, it is better that he doesn't go, that he gets to rest and relax. And also, mm-hmm. I think, you know, people forget he had a, a little one like right after he got here, right? Right after he got traded. And then his wife had another baby like during the off season. So now they have two, two that are like under the age of two. And mm-hmm. so if you're, Sabonis is a family guy. He wants to be mm-hmm. around his kids. He wants to spend time. He wants to, you know, the, the season is a grind. And, you know, again, mm-hmm. the Kings just got done with a 14-game road trip where you just don't get to see your family every day. And not everybody was able to go hop on the plane and, and go from one city to the next. I know Rosay was able to do that for at least part of the trip with, uh, with Baby Rain for with De'Aaron. But that's not the mm-hmm. case with everybody. And so... Uh, like this is a, a moment for someone to step back and, and really like reflect on the season. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, storyboard what you want to do the rest of the season and who you want to mm-hmm. be and how you want to finish this, this thing and have conversations with your teammates about this and all that. Um, so yeah, Kyle, I, I get what you're saying. And yes, I, I agree from that point of view, from, from a selfish point of view as, uh, you know, that if, and from like if, if fans out there sure. feel that same way, I totally get it. I totally get it. But for me, I'd like to see him get the recognition because he, he's one of those players. Totally. That, uh, he just totally. can't, he can't get enough of it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, no, he, he definitely, he definitely should have. And it's a joke, <clears throat> frankly, that he's, that he's not going to be playing in the all-star game uh, coming up in, in, in the next couple of days. That's And, and um, Hey, uh, Kyle, it cost him $1.3 million. It did. That's true. He had a that's bonus. True for making an all-star team and another 1.3 for making all NBA. He could not get both of those bonuses this year. So, I mean, that's, that's cash in, cash in your pocket, man. Yeah, no doubt. That's, uh, that's also very tough for sure. All right. Uh, Jiffy Lube fast break player of the game. So we did not do one after the Kings game against the Suns on Wednesday night. So we, excuse me on Tuesday Tuesday. night, Tuesday night. So, we will be uh, doing that today, and then we'll be doing another one uh, later on in the show. So a Jiffy Lube Fast Break Player of the Game uh, for Tuesday is going to be De'Aaron. That's the word you're going to go enter at ESPN1320.com. You enter to win a $100 Jiffy Lube gift certificate. You also enter to win a Kings jersey that we'll be giving away at the end of this month. So get those entries in. ESPN1320.com. The contest page is right there, front and center. Jiffy Lube Fast Break Player of the Game. Click on that. Enter the code De'Aaron. You got to spell it right. Apostrophe and all. D-E apostrophe A-A-R-O-N. You got to spell it right. That is the code word for our Jiffy Lube Fast Break Player of the Game for the Kings loss to the Suns on Tuesday. And you're also put in for the uh, Kings jersey. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go on. on, uh, Log in. Let's do this. All right. All right. Shout out. Um, okay, you know what? Hey, we're just gonna, <laughs> you know, never mind, never mind. Chatty House is on it. Chatty House knows what's good. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna move on though. Um, <laughs> does last night's, I, I, so I try not to, so because covering the NFL, it is so knee jerk weekend and week out, right? Yeah. It's one team is one and oh this week. And they could go to the Super Bowl and did they figure it out? And then they lose the next one. And it's like, should they fire the coach? Like that's that's kind of how it goes. In the NBA with 82 games, it's it's a little bit different. And with this Kings team specifically, I feel like I've gotten fooled multiple times into thinking like, okay, this team is back. 
Like, oh, no, this team is completely off the rails. They need to make a major change. Oh, no, maybe they're good. It's it's a, I don't know if you've ever seen the video or the gif of the girl trying kombucha for the first time. Oh, wait. Yes. Where she, she takes a sip and makes like a nasty face. Like, ugh, don't like it. And then she lets it sit for a second. Then she's like, well, maybe. And then she's like, no. And then she's like, well, maybe. Like, that's That's how the kings have been to me all year. They but, are like kombucha, the kombucha kinks. <laughs> Dude, I try. I one one time is actually when we we're in Reno. I I decided I was gonna to just be a kombucha guy. Like that's gonna start. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that my lane in life. And I bought a kombucha. That is disgusting. <laughs> I did not like it. I did not like it one bit. It was not my favorite thing I've ever I've ever had. I powered through the bottle because I felt like I had to, but I was not a fan. Anyways, um, last night, though, it gets really, really difficult for me to not feel like that was a corner turned where they gutted out that kind of win. And now the vibes are good going into the all-star break. They get some time off. They get to make coaching staff gets to make a few tweaks and adjustments. The players get to rest up, uh, get that, get that mental reset. I, I, I have a really hard time not feeling really good about the direction that Sacramento is going uh, based on not, not just last night, based on the Phoenix game too. I know they lost, but that I thought they played pretty well in that one. And then they come back and, and find a way to gut out a win against the nuggets. That's something I didn't, that this team was capable of doing. And the fact that they are, I think changes the outlook a little for me. Oh, I totally agree. This is one of those games where there is such thing as like a get right game in the NBA. <laughs> Just like I, I think there is in, in almost every sport where, you know, there are these things in sports, you know, like the, the makeup call, like we saw a makeup call mm -hmm. last night. There was no question. We saw a makeup call. Uh, they, well, maybe it was against the Suns when the ball went out of bounds and and Devin Booker said it was off of him. Uh, it wasn't off of him. And then the, the next time down, they call like a super quick offensive foul or something. Like there's there are makeup calls, and they're just like there are there are get right games. And for me, I felt like the Suns game was was almost a turning point for this team. Where again, you you didn't play your best, but you fought and you were in it against a great team. And the other team beat you because shots fell, not because you did something grotesquely wrong or because you couldn't, uh, you know, defend the three ball or whatever. I mean, maybe that's a little bit of it, but um, mm -hmm. when you get to the Denver game and you're, you're in a contest that you know, you're not your best right there. And, and everyone can see you're not your best, but that doesn't mean that you're going to cash it in. You're going to sit there and play as hard and, and, you know, as you possibly can for the entire game. Mm -hmm. That to me was about as grimy and gritty a game as the Kings have won in the last two years, mm -hmm. where you just thought, mm -hmm. man, they don't have it at all, but they're not stopping. And to me, that's yeah. like, if if you're a dad watching that, those are the games where the game ends, a whistle blows, and you just stand <laughs> up and you start clapping. Like that's a proud dad <laughs> moment, and I'm sure that that's what Mike Brown felt afterwards. Like this proud dad moment, like yeah, holy cow! Like I, I don't care if they won or lost. My boys just went in there and they fought. And so yeah. I, I thought it was a great moment for the team. That's kind of, it felt like that's what we've been asking for like all season. Though. Yeah. And that, that, that was like a, oh, hey, light bulb. That's, <laughs> yes. Like that's it. Like that, that's all. If they had approached every single game this year, like they approached last night, 
they'd have like nine more wins. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what that's what really jumped out to me. That's the it, frustrating <laughs> thing, right? That's the thing that like that that makes you just it just totally frustrates you. You're you're sitting there like, hey, what exactly oh, where is this on a nightly basis, Kyle? And I and I get it. You like the frustration level for this team. It's not just like, oh, all positive and like it's like where are you guys those other nights where because this isn't the first time you've looked this way where you couldn't buy a basket right. or or you didn't have any gas in the tank. Like this is you you have to find this every time. And I, I don't again, yeah. I don't know what it was, who had the the win one for the Gipper speech or whatever, but I certainly think <laughs> that, that there was some sort of moment here where this team like like even if it was on the team playing together, they said, Hey look, this is we have to win this game. We have got to find a way. And then you get out there and nothing's falling and you're like, guys, just looking at each other, like we cannot go, let go. We can't mm-hmm. let go tonight. We have got to keep playing because it yep. at this point, like, man, they wouldn't just be the eight seed. They'd be the eight seed by like a game and a half. And that'd be yeah. eh, not good. It reminded me of their win at Brooklyn last year where they beat Brooklyn 101 to 96. And Mike Brown, after the game, let's see, I'm looking at the box score right now. Uh, they shot 39% from the field and 31.7% from three, the Kings did, uh, against a, against a, a decent Brooklyn team. Yeah. And Mike Brown said after the game, he was like, that was the best defensive game we've played since I've been here. And that's a little bit how last night, to, to me, felt. Now the question becomes... Okay, the the effort was great. That's that's ultimately what matters. I don't it, I don't think uh, I, I I my optimism does not go so far as to say like oh hey the Kings are also going to hold a bunch of teams under 105 points now and everything's going to be good. They've learned how to play defense. I think that was more of a one off thing, but it's the grit, right? It's like the attitude and the competitive drive that that to me matters more than oh did they figure it out on defense or not. Kyle, it's the attitude that we didn't know if it still existed with this right. team. I mean, yeah. in all honesty, I, I didn't know if it still existed. Like, is this team broken? Can you fix it? That game last night told me, yeah, you can fix things. Like, you mm-hmm. can you can get back in with this team during the All-Star break. You can have a couple of days off. You get back together. You can have some conversations, whether or guys can go have coffee together. Guys can have a barbecue or whatever. You know, I, I'd even go back to uh like Trey Lyles told us this last year um before he was going into free agency that um he said he'd never been invited to a teammate's house for dinner before and, and before last season and uh he said that like this it felt like home right and that he had never been through a season where he felt like his his teammates all had become close friends and like that they were sharing in each other's lives, like going to each other's houses for dinner and stuff. He said he never he'd never experienced that as an NBA player. And I was taken yeah. aback by that. Like, really? You've never like really? But uh that's what some of this time is for. Like, hey, somebody throw a barbecue. Hey, let let's get together and maybe watch a little bit of the All-Star game. Or or maybe not. Everyone go on vacation and have a good time, but you know, when we get back, let's 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 reconvene. Let's get back on the same page. Let's be teammates. Let's find a way to like piece this thing together and move forward yeah. together. And and so 
I think it's a good moment, uh, and I think this is the right way. This is the exact game you needed to send yourself into the All-Star break, and it's a feel-good moment. But, uh, yeah, you know, Soren Smith says a, 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 a team trip to Scandia. Uh, yeah. just a little mini-golf. Yeah, uh, you know, like uh, the like go bowling together. go Or just everyone just go over to somebody's house, somebody's got a pool table, hang out, and, and just relax and, you know, have a drink and – and get to get to hang out and kind of like get back to the basics and reset who you are as a team because you know they just got done with that 14 day road trip that seven day is seven game trip i think mm-hmm. you can wear on each other too like it, when things aren't going when things are good I, I think it helps solidify teams when things are not going well or when things are a little odd with a group spending all that time on it together can can be a detriment too but this is a full-on reset button, and I think that's why I love the NBA uh, All-Star break. I, I wish it was more towards the center of the season, so then that way, and the trade deadline was more towards the center of the season, so you had you know more time to grow mm-hmm. afterwards, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, we have more suggestions in the in the chatty house for what the Kings can do. Top golf. Oh. Love the top golf idea. Yep. A chili cook-off. Yep. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> little, te- little team chili cook-off. That's a that's a normal thing. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I um I think the team chemistry aspect of this is is just so important. And I think it shows up on I think it's a little bit overrated in terms of like overall big picture success, but I think you see it matter in nights like last night, <clears throat> where yeah. individually maybe not everybody has it, but everybody else wants to, you know play for the guy next to them i know that's so cheesy but that's i think what kind of happens in those moments and not every team has that um i i think when you go look at i don't think you have to look far i think you can look at the golden state warriors last year like so many of their failures was because they did not have that attitude and you very much saw the kings have it last night and it's a reason they won a game that they had no business winning no and I, that, they... that kind of stuff matters a lot no they had no business winning that game at all. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, sometimes, you know, even for a guy like Chris Duarte, just think of Chris Duarte's season. He's been on the outside. He got injured, mm-hmm. but he's been on the outside of the rotation. He can't he can't break back into the rotation. Everything's gone wrong, um, you know. And, and then not only to compound, like, he had been out of the rotation, and then to add insult to injury or injury to insult, he literally rolls his ankle in warm-ups, and he's, and he's out for a Brutal. week or two, right? Like. Brutal. That can be really isolating and really lonely as a player. And then to have a game like this going into the break, now you feel like maybe you're part of something. Maybe you can be part mm-hmm. of something the second half. And so I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, sort of ways that, uh, you know, you can piece things back together and, and sort of mend fences going into an all-star break like this. And so hopefully they take it that way. Hopefully it was as, as positive as we're looking from the outside that it's as positive on the inside. Yeah, because they open they open after the break against it's the Spurs, right? Yes. I just I just yeah. smartly clicked out of the roster. So that's a good opportunity to just keep it rolling. Like yeah. it's not like they have a, a juggernaut ahead of them. Although, dude, Wemby is so sick. He's fun. It is he it is outrageous how he is just the version of basketball player that everybody said he was going to be. And he's just that now. He Whoa. had a triple double with blocks. Yeah, God. only doing this thirty minutes a game too. Actually, he's only getting twenty eight minutes a game this season. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, come on. I can't wait to see Davion Mitchell guard him. I'm just saying. <laughs> 
Like, I, that's where I'm at. I'm like, well, I'm Vic, Vic would throw Davion over his shoulder and take him to the basket. Oh, no. Davion's going to be like, <laughs> like you know, nipping at his uh, kneecaps. Like, no, no, man. You're not going anywhere. They're just karate chopping the kneecaps? Yeah, just like, <laughs> don't let him go anywhere. Like, you want to put the ball on the ground? That's fine. Like, every dribble. Hand checking of, on the calf? <laughs> calf with the hand check? Every, uh, like, <laughs> every time he goes to drive, it's just like, where is that guy? I mean, he dribbles taller than Davion is. You know, he, he dribbles it like, yeah, it's wild. Did you see the sequence the other night where he blocks the dunk and then comes back down on the other end and puts, I, for, I wish I could remember who the who was guarding him, but just puts him in a blender with like crossovers and then hits a three from above the break. It's just like, yeah, what do you even do? I don't know what you do. You know, it's like watching uh, Alperin Shengun where he, he makes like 17 moves on one play. And you're like, what is happening? What is happening? I don't know what's happening. And then boom, he scores. Uh, yeah, except for with Victor Wembanyama is like seven foot four and just like will dunk on you. Yeah. Outrageous. Yeah. That's, uh, that's one week from today. The Kings will be back from the all-star break uh, facing the Spurs at Golden One Center. Cannot wait to be in the building. That's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, not a ton of fun. For the 49ers yesterday, they fired their defensive coordinator. Was that the right move? And who will replace Steve Wilkes? We'll talk about that next on ESPN 1320, Sacramento Sports Leader. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hour number two. Yes. I can hear it now, James. No, I'm good. Hour I don't know two. when we're you hear up. it when you don't. So, James, <laughs> the, Kyle, just so we're on the same page, Kyle can't hear the music, but he can hear, like, the intro. Uh, but I never yeah. know what's about to play. <laughs> it's the start of the second hour. The second hour intro is about to play. We're, we're in. <laughs> if these things matter to you guys, they don't matter to me because I just wait for you guys to start talking. <laughs> But you we'll guys, do, James, you, you know, what, you know, what, James, you know what we'll do one time. We'll, we'll do this for real, for real, because you've been wanting me to come out and, and hang out at your house. Yeah. And I would like to do that. So I will come out there and we will sit down and I will just go through every aspect. We can pour <laughs> up drinks and I will go through every aspect of the radio show. That's right. And just get you do crash course in becoming a radio guy. I'm just here to talk. That's all. <laughs> It'd be great. No, it'll be great. It'll be a ton of fun. And then we can go cook barbecue on a boat or whatever it is. There it is. You do. Uh, this you sounds like something I would do. Velvet or I don't know. I don't know what rich people do. But uh, <laughs> 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 uh, I'll ask Kenny. Uh, that's um, nice. There we go. We'll have to ask Kenny. Yeah. Speaking of Kenny, D'Lo and Casey uh, coming up in uh, in about an hour. Uh, they'll take you from noon to four right here on ESPN 1320. Sacramento's sports leader. We've been talking a ton of Kings and we're not done with that just yet. Uh, Nick Wagner uh, from ESPN. He covers the 49ers for ESPN. He'll be joining us at 1130. So we'll talk some Niners with him. We're going to talk Niners here, but we'll also have some good, bad and ugly from the Kings win over the Nuggets last night. That'll be coming up in about 10 minutes. And then uh, the whole Steph and LeBron trade thing is hilarious. And I would like to talk about it. Yeah. Would you? I yeah, so we're going to do that as well. Um, 
right after our show yesterday, right after James and I got done having a great conversation about whether the 49ers should should keep or fire Steve Wilkes, uh, Kyle Shanahan held a pr- conference call where he said, uh, I have relieved Steve Wilkes of his duties. He said, uh, really tough decision because this is a quote from Kyle Shanahan. Really tough decision because really says nothing about Steve as a man or as a football coach. He is exactly what we wanted as a man. He is a great football coach, but just where we're going and where we're at with our team from a scheme standpoint and things like that, looking through it all throughout the year, through these last few days, I felt pretty strongly that this was the decision that was best for our organization. The first thing I want to clear up here is this was not related to the Super Bowl. The 49ers didn't fire their defensive coordinator because they lost the Super Bowl. I didn't I thought Steve Wilkes was really good in the Super Bowl for the most part and had a couple of unfortunate blitz calls in in a couple of key spots. Uh one of which Kyle Shanahan called a timeout because he didn't like the defensive look that that Wilkes was giving the Chiefs. This started to me James in week 7. That was the Vikings game. Yeah. Where, where Wilkes called the blitz at the end of the first half that led to the Vikings touchdown. And Shanahan didn't do the thing that coaches do at the end of a game where they go, yeah, you know, we've got to look at everything and blah, 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 blah. He basically threw Wilkes under the bus, more or less. And then Wilkes came out and opened his next press conference with an apology. Like he had s- killed somebody. It was a it was it was a really strange dynamic and then you had the whole thing with him coming down from the booth to the field. It was just a I think it was always a little bit of a of a bizarre fit. Um and I and I think that the 49ers a team that is built front to back. They rely heavily on their pass rush from their defensive front. And they rely heavily on what they get from their linebackers in the second level and then they brought in a defensive coordinator who is traditionally a defensive backs guy and a and a coverage minded guy and i don't think that's necessarily what the 49ers were looking for so i don't think it's that steve wilkes did a necessarily bad job i just don't think that there was a schematic and philosophical alignment with shanahan that that needed to be there yeah i think um like because it it happens like right as we're we're leaving the show right and Mm -hmm. tim kawakami from the athletic wrote in his piece Steve Wilkes' firing isn't isn't scapegoating as much as it is an admission that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch made a mistake when they hired Wilkes in the first place. Yes. I think that's that's exactly it. I don't feel like, should Steve Wilkes have had his team prepared for the final play? Yes. Like, without any question. That's, That's a play that they run. As soon as you saw Hardman go out and then come back in, you should have known that that's what they were doing and you should have either called timeout or you should have been yelling that that's what's mm-hmm. about to happen, right? So the final play of the game in the Super Bowl where the 49ers lose with McCole Hardman touchdown from mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes. So, but that's not the only time I felt this entire season that there was something wrong. Like, yeah. to be honest with you, you you spent so much money on the defensive line that couldn't get to anybody. And yeah. that didn't make any sense. You know, you mm-hmm. sat there, you, you've got Nick Bosa, you've got Hargrave, you've got, uh, you've got Eric Armstead. You traded for Chase Young. You traded for Chase Young. You, you picked up mm-hmm. Randy Gregory. You have all of these pieces. It's just so dynamic. And then on top of that, you have two of the great linebackers in the game. And mm-hmm. you can't send one of those linebackers. You can't send Hafunga, uh, a safety, when he was healthy 
to go on a on a safety blitz. Like none mm-hmm. when they did blitz, it was so obvious and so poorly timed. And then the other times you're wondering, man, your four man front is not getting to the quarterback. Either you need to figure out some sort of stunts or some sort of different scheme or something to help them get there. Mm-hmm. Or you got to send somebody else and break this thing up because that's what it mm-hmm. felt. It felt monotonous. It felt like yeah. their four guys up front were slamming into five big offensive linemen on every play and getting stuck. And okay, that's it. We can't get through tonight. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing else. There was no variant. And so, uh, for as good as the 49ers were and as far as they ended up getting, I think they could have been better, and it doesn't matter like the overall yardage and all that stuff. To me, it doesn't matter. The product on the field looked weird quite a few times throughout the season, and Nick Boson yeah. never looked right the entire season. Yeah, and I and I think part of that too was some of the coverage stuff, which is what Wilkes is supposed to really specialize in. <clears throat> there were games where the Niners would get pressure, but they were a step late. Or, or there was a, a an easy outlet for for the for the quarterback, and I think that's a little bit where those issues came in. Was they weren't good enough in the secondary to lean on the secondary the way they did, or to do the things schematically the way they did, and then you go. I mean, you can go as far back as the Isaiah Oliver signing. They signed Isaiah Oliver to be the starting nickel. And then they were rotating him and Diamador Lenore in the slot. And then they wound up landing on Ambry Thomas on the outside. But then Ambry Thomas got benched for the Super Bowl. And they started Logan Ryan, who was on vacation uh, in Mexico when the Niners called him uh, over Thanksgiving. So, like, they had, and then they started Logan Ryan in the Super Bowl at, at, at nickel, a position he hadn't played in, in years. So it just there were there were a lot of strange things, and I want to I want to make it really clear that like I was very pro Steve Wilkes signing. I think Steve Wilkes is a excellent football coach. I thought the Panthers maybe made a little bit of a mistake not keeping him as their head coach, given the buy-in that he got from those players. Uh, he had more wins as the Panthers interim head coach than any of their last three head coaches have had combined. Like that's nuts. Dude. Mm-hmm. That more than Matt Rule, more than than um, <clears throat> oh my God, Frank Reich, and more than uh, whoever was before before that. Oh, their interim guy from this year, but uh, I forget his name. But <clears throat> I think Steve Wilkes is a great coach, and, he, and and Kyle Shanahan said as much. There was just a schematic. Uh, uh, difference that just never really lined up yeah and i think that that was going to continue to be a problem yeah you can be a a good coach and just not a good coach for the team you're on and yeah and and i think that's at the end of the day what we saw and and Mm -hmm. again i didn't think i'm not firing him just because i'm firing because or blaming him for the super bowl i'm firing because i felt like the entire season there was something missing with the defensive unit yeah. So. so the Niners are looking for somebody more from the the Pete Carroll kind of tree that cover three uh, style that Seattle runs. Um, that's what what Shanahan said. Somebody who's more you know aligned philosophically with what they want to do. Robert Sala came from that tree. D'Amico Ryan's came from under uh, Robert Sala. Uh, he was he was on the defensive staff 
his his first coaching job was with the 49ers in 2017, and he he rose through the ranks to become the defensive coordinator. One of the names I'm watching, just as we like, you're gonna hear Mike Vrabel, you'll hear Bill Belichick, you'll hear Pete Carroll, you'll hear Brandon Staley, uh, you'll hear all those names. One one of the ones that intrigues me a lot though is Aaron Curry, who's the inside linebackers coach for the Steelers. He has a year now under Mike Tomlin. He had four years under Pete Carroll as a linebackers coach as one of the, I was just kind of going through some, some potential candidates yesterday. That's the one that jumped out to me. Okay. So, um, we'll, uh, we'll continue diving into that as, as names come out and as interviews happen, we'll, we'll keep you apprised of, of what's going on there. And then we'll also ask Nick Wagner, who's coming up at 1130 to continue our uh, 49ers postmortem as they start moving into the off season and looking to bounce back from another Super Bowl defeat. Before we do that though, let's talk about good, bad and ugly from the Kings win over the Denver Nuggets last night. Let's get the vibes going again. Uh, Kings 102, Nuggets 98. What was good? What was bad? What was ugly? We'll tell you next on ESPN 1320, Sacramento Sports Leader. Now, back to the Insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. I we're back in here. Sorry, I'm I'm locked in to a couple of things happening on the internet right now. <clears throat> we got to get to good, bad, and ugly from from the Kings win over the over the Nuggets. But before we do that, real quick, uh, James, you'll be shocked to learn that Joe Lacob said that the Warriors' offseason plan one A is to get out of the luxury tax. Oh. Stunning, a truly yeah. stunning development that nobody could have seen coming. Uh, the other, <laughs> sorry, the other Clay, that's wanted... yeah, tough. It's really tough. Um, the other. How much credit are we giving Mason Jones for last night? Because it feels like he's getting way too much credit. <laughs> Just like, I don't know what is going on. I, so, I didn't even really see it. I, I like he, he was out there. He was like the first one off the bench, like dapping guys up. But so no, look here's here look. So so I saw our guy Deuce Mason after the game was like, "Yo, Mason Jones on the bench, ultimate vibes guy. He's he is the reason for tonight." And I was like, "Wow." That's kind of wild. And then Mike Mike Brown after the game. It's like, man, uh, energy was great. It was great having him out there. We have a quiet group. Uh, so for him to to have that energy, it was it was really great and helpful. And then Deuce posts a video of like a few examples of the energy Mason Jones brought. And it's just him being an NBA bench guy. And I don't, I'm sorry, I'm not it's like I don't see it. Yeah, no, he's doing the job, and I and I understand that that could be that that could be helpful. And under like I I get it. I just don't. It feels like he's getting too much credit for what like Dear and Fox and Demont. I don't think Dear and Fox turned into fourth quarter Fox because Mason Jones did a little dance after a layup. I don't. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm underthinking it. For a guy who watched uh, ten other players go out there on the second night of a back to back when he didn't play on the night before. Like you should have energy, and it's good. It's good that you have that, and it's. I don't want to take away from the guy. I'd also say like Deuce knows Mason just a little bit. I, I would assume because Deuce mm -hmm. is is the play by play call uh, announcer for the Stockton Kings, uh, which mm -hmm. is where Mason Jones was for the last like I don't know right. three weeks or so. Mm -hmm. it, he wasn't there that long, so. He knows the kind of knows the kind of guy he is knows the kind of personality he has. Yeah, yeah, and, and I okay. mean you need a vibes guy, right? Uh, That's like, true. Like the the good old Kings, point. the what was it? Uh, Mateen Cleaves, uh, like what Mateen Cleaves did after he left the Kings. Like no, no, no. Like I don't want to talk about Mateen Cleaves, but as a 
guy on the bench, like doing jumping jacks and going crazy, you know, uh, Frank Mason, you had with the Liddy committee, like the, the Liddy committee. Yeah. The, right. the Kings, like they've had those guys. Uh, Harry Giles was a big bench guy. And like they, the Kings have always had guys like that in this. Why you bring in guys like um, Matthew Della Vadova last year, who, uh, mm-hmm. would like run laps during timeouts and stuff. And like, he just always ready. And like, uh, you're looking for vibes guys, even, you know, JaVale McGee is a vibes guy behind the scenes. Like he's a guy, Great that, vibes guy. that everybody's like a okay with and, um, want Toscano Anderson when he was here in Sacramento, same type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure that in one game, like you got a guy on the bench and he's going nuts and, you know, Chimezi met you last year. He's a big cheerleader guy. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm going to give him some credit because people smarter than me, Deuce, Mike Brown, are like, yeah, hey, it was super helpful, which is great. Okay. And I will make, I will even go as far as to make uh, Mason Jones a good thing that happened for the Kings last night. He was one of the good things as we transition to good, bad, and ugly here. Made a bench energy. Love that for him. And honestly, as a vibes guy myself, if he's going to continue curating good vibes uh, when he's when he's here in Sacramento, then I love it. Big uh, fan. Me too. Like, go ahead, be the vibes guy. I'm I'm a okay with that. Yeah, me too. What else you got uh, as good from last night? Uh, Fox took over the fourth quarter. Uh, Goddamn have... time. Yeah. Um. That was that was pretty spectacular. Uh. Sabonis took Jokic to the woodshed. There's even sure this, did. this... It, Go ahead. It it's really clear that. I, I think one of the reasons the Kings match up so well with Denver is because other other teams typically the 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 Sixers don't, but uh, most most other teams in the NBA so is that twenty seven other teams in the NBA have to do things to their offense to get Jokic in unfavorable matchups. Whereas with the Kings, Sabonis exists in so many spaces on the floor that force Jokic away from the basket into spots that he's not necessarily comfortable that I think it, it messes with his, with his rhythm and, and maybe gasses him in a way that other teams can't. Um, and I think Sabonis being as effective as he is as a center, uh, just kind of makes Jokic uncomfortable in ways that not a lot of guys can. Yeah, and I would say this too. Like, there are players in the league. There's only a couple of them that really bother Sabonis, right? We've mm-hmm. talked about it. The, the Kevon Looney's of the world, Stephen Adams, um, mm-hmm. even Valanciunas is, is usually pretty tough. It's mm-hmm. these gigantic, super strong guys that can push you away from the basket, right? Mm-hmm. I think that it's possible that Sabonis is just one of those guys for for Jokic. Like whatever mm, yeah. it, whatever it is about the way that that Sabonis plays it makes him uncomfortable and you're right yeah. like position defender like Sabonis is a very he's not good in space he's going to get beat uh like by if he gets caught out on the three point sure. line and someone tries to go blow by him he's going to get beat and he's not a shot blocker but that's another thing the fact that he's not a shot blocker that he stays down and he doesn't just let Jokic likes to get his weight on his opponent hold him mm-hmm. onto the knock him down onto the floor uh, basically keep them grounded and then go over mm-hmm. the top of them. And I just think that Sabonis, it's really difficult to do that with. And he's mm-hmm. a super, super strong guy. Uh, and, and he keeps fighting the whole time. Um, so, yeah, it's just a weird matchup. And even you yep. saw Jokic lost his cool. Jokic should have been thrown out of the game. 
Uh, mm-hmm. He went out and official like crazy for a while. And it was on a play where it sure didn't look like he got fouled at all. Yeah. And I don't know what he was angry about, but like the Kings took advantage in that situation. And, and, and really, I think a lot of it was Sabonis. So I, I think that mm-hmm. matchup is, is spectacular. And you get to see why Sabonis, why I consider Sabonis one of the better players in the league. Because yeah. he can do that to one of the greats. Like yep. that's that's probably going to be a three-time MVP right there, and he probably yep. already should have been a three-time MVP, but you know he didn't want it. Yep, he didn't win it yeah. last year. He's he is the uh, I don't know about consensus, but if you're doing a straw poll of who's the best player in the world right now, Nikola Jokic is going to be the top of a lot of lists. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I, I he is uh, in the straw poll by uh, Tim Bontemps. He is he is <laughs> he is the the number one. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see what else do we have. Harrison we, Barnes. Harrison Barnes is good last night too. He was. That's uh, that's our other uh, good. Uh, Harrison Barnes was really yeah. good. He showed up. Kyle, are you okay if that's if that's how Harrison is the rest of the season? That like he looks at a game and goes, you know what? I think they need me to rebound tonight, and he goes and rebounds. I think they need Dude. me to get to the free throw line tonight. I'm going to do that. Or I think they need me to hit a bunch of threes tonight. One of the things we talk about, we talk about the playoffs last year, right? And, you know, if De'Aaron hadn't broken his finger, if if Harrison Barnes had made that shot, you know, if, 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 if on all this stuff, there were so many nights where it was like, man, three more good minutes from Harrison Barnes went through this game. His ability to uh, attack the rim, get to the line, take on bigger defenders, I think offensively he can be way more effective than he's been this year. And I think you saw it last night. So yeah, if that's the player he's going to be like, Hey, we need a little something extra offensively. We need to get to the line. Let's slow this thing down. Let's get a couple of free points, yep. hit an open three. I, I'm, I'm very much here for it. And I would like to see that a lot moving forward. Yep. Uh, I think the last good thing that we, we circled was Chris Duarte showed up and I, yep. it, like in all honesty, D'Lo and Casey got, and I got into this discussion yesterday. And when I brought up Chris Duarte, I think Damian almost fell off his stool. Like he didn't want to see Chris Duarte anymore. <laughs> and sure enough, he comes in and he actually has a moment. And I didn't know he was going to play. I was just saying, like, look, if you're going to get zero production off of the last four guys on your bench, then I- I'm okay with giving Chris Duarte a r- some run. That's what happened. And he was good. I thought, hey, like, kudos to you, man. Stay ready. So yeah. uh, I thought he was good. Uh, the bad. Uh, they were running in mud. That was tough to watch. It was tough to watch a team that had no legs trying to shoot threes. Yeah. Um, okay. They had way too many turnovers early. And mm-hmm. then uh, watching Keegan Murray try to fight through whatever it is he's fighting through right now, it was, uh, I don't know. It's odd, man. It's very much, very much, hopefully just growing pains and not some crazy, uh, like, regression. But whatever it is, it's not uh, it's not going great for for Keegan at the moment. Yeah, I think he'll be fine after the break. Um, the, two for ni- two for his last nineteen from three. Oof. Well, that's not good. Uh, on the ugly not side, good. Malik didn't have it, and uh, the second unit really didn't have it either. Um, outside of some some bonus minutes from Chris Duarte, the second unit really really struggled for a second straight night. Yeah, that that cannot become a trend. But at the same time, come playoff time, uh, your bench depth matters a lot less. Can your can your best guy be the best guy on the floor, and can your top seven guys not screw it up the rest of the way? That's right. Are, and I thought just gonna come down to Trey Lyles finished with four points and five rebounds. He's sick, and he he played through mm-hmm. the illness, so he missed his threes. But 
I also thought he had some impactful rebounds and was like, okay, look, at least you're trying. You're putting some effort in there uh, when you're not feeling well. Yeah. All right. Let's hit the, uh, let's hit a break. Uh, Niners postmortem with Nick Wagner, who covers the 49ers for ESPN. Uh, he was down at the Super Bowl for eight days and and managed to survive that. He's been in press conferences, been in conference calls. Uh, would love to get his thoughts next on uh, what the next steps are for the 49ers and how they bounce back from another uh, crushing defeat to end a season. That's coming up next. Uh, and LeBron to the Warriors? Question mark. We'll discuss that too on ESPN 1320. Now, back to the Insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Loop on ESPN 1320. All right, we're back in here. Final segment before we hand it off to D'Lo and KC. We'll also have the handoff. I believe it'll be D'Lo hopping in with us uh, today to discuss the uh, LeBron Warriors rumors and the Kings win over the Nuggets. But before we do that, our guy, friend of the program, Nick Wagner, he covers the 49ers for ESPN. Uh, joining us now to discuss uh, some of the 49ers uh, early offseason moves. Uh, Nick, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to to hop in with us. Uh, was firing Steve Wilkes the right move for the 49ers? Wow. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if we can answer that right now, but I, I can say, like, I, I think, first of all, we need to look at this, like, holistically. I think the easy thing to do, and a lot of people are doing, is saying this is a reactionary scapegoating move based on what happened after the Super Bowl. And it wasn't just based on the Super Bowl. And, and I think everyone that will follow the 49ers all year knew that there was issues that took place throughout the course of the season that uh, kind of built up to this and made this so that it wasn't a huge surprise if you were following along with the team. And let's just start back at the beginning, guys. Like when, when Steve Wilkes got hired, it was the first time the Niners had done two things. First of all, it was the first time that they had hired from outside of the building for the defensive coordinator job. Second of all, it was the first time that they'd hired a defensive coordinator who had a background working with defensive backs rather than a linebacker. And, and, and Kyle Shanahan preferred having guys who were linebackers and coach linebackers because they do see things more holistically. They have a better idea of how to connect the front and the back because that's what a linebacker's job is, is to know what everyone is supposed to do. So that put Steve Wilkes at a disadvantage a little bit from the beginning. The other thing that put him at a disadvantage from the beginning was Kyle Shanahan did not want to change the scheme. And he wanted Steve Wilkes to come in and learn his defense. So not only was Steve Wilkes trying to learn a defense that he didn't have a lot of familiarity with, he was also trying to learn his players and understand what they want to do. And by the way, he didn't get to bring in any of his own staff. So this is a staff that he's learning and trying to understand that's already ahead of him in terms of knowledge of the scheme. So then we get into the season and we saw the things along the way, right? There was the incident in Minnesota where he calls cover zero blitz at the end of the first half. It turns into a touchdown. Now you can say Charverius Ward probably should have caught that ball. It should have been, regardless, it wasn't a good call at the time. Kyle Shanahan openly questioned the move right after the game, followed up and doubled down on it the next day. Steve Wilkes is apologizing during the week for it. You go into the bye week. There's all this discussion about should Steve Wilkes move down to the field. He does move down to the field. So that was another thing along the way. The run defense towards the end of the year wasn't very good. And then we get into the playoffs, guys. And the first couple of games, particularly in the Detroit game, there were a lot of issues with the run defense. And the thing that sticks out to me the most through all this, you know, and you can, you can point to what players were saying and all those things, but the thing that sticks out the most was we were guys in the weeks leading up to the Super Bowl we were talking about defensive effort, which is just a crazy thing to really think about for any team, really, at any point in the year. It's, you don't hear a lot of effort questions. But a team going to the Super Bowl, 
I never thought I would be writing stories and talking on TV about effort. And that had never been an issue under Kyle Shanahan. And so if you want to say that's not Steve Wilkes' fault, that's kind of Chase Young's thing. That's a thing that has been on his resume throughout his career. Sure, that's all fair. But it's still a crazy thing to think about. And then you get into the Super Bowl, and there was a couple of more things. So was it the right move? I guess that just depends on who they can get to replace him. Uh, you know, it's, it's late in this process. I happen to think that the Niners probably have a couple, three candidates in mind or they wouldn't have made this move. But I also think that Steve Wilkes had his issues. It's not a surprise that this happened necessarily. But also, the defense wasn't bad. It just wasn't at the level that it had been in the past. I do think Steve Wilkes knew that coming into this. And so I, I don't think he necessarily is even surprised either. I just think that the Niners are in a position where they're also not going to be able to make a lot of sweeping changes this offseason. And so what can they do to try to get over the hump is go find a defense coordinator who maybe can get them back to those dominant levels where they're equally dominant on both sides of the ball. You know what, Nick? My first question, you brought it up. They, they've they got a couple of guys out there that they, they have to have at least some idea who they would chase. Who is it that, that you're hearing or who is it that you would chase when it comes to that position? Because it is late in, late in the program. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting, James, because if you look at the Niners, like what they want to do schematically, there's not a lot of options out there of guys who who do what they do and would be able to come in and not be in the same position that Wilkes was in, right, where he's got to learn the defense. I mean, the name that, everyone, that I think a lot of people are bringing up and throwing out there is Brandon Staley. So Brandon Staley has connections to Kyle Shanahan, you know, that whole kind of coaching tree with McVay, LaFleur. But I would caution a couple of things on Brandon Staley. First of all, um, and, and I'm not saying he's not a candidate for the job. I just think there's a couple of things to, to, to keep an eye on here. Number one, we're talking schematics. He is a Vic Fangio disciple, which is not mm. the same defense that the 49ers run. And that's not to say that they couldn't do it or that he could adapt to it or that they could find kind of a happy medium there. But it's just something to keep in mind where there would be a little bit of a learning curve again with a new defensive coordinator if he was going to be the guy. The other thing that makes me wonder here is, is he interviewed with, with Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. He interviewed with Sean McVay to potentially go back to the Rams. Those are his guys, guys that know him. Again, part of this tree. They didn't hire him. It makes you wonder, right? Like they had the number one defense with the Rams when he was there, and now he gets passed over when they have a chance to bring him back. It just, it just kind of raises a couple of red flags. I mean, there's obviously the big names out there, the older guys that, you know, the Bill Belichicks and the Pete Carrolls. I'm not going to sit here and say never that that's impossible. I just think it's unlikely. I think if you're talking about like a Belichick, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of maybe a consultantship type of thing where he's he's coming and helping out on the side as just a way to stay connected to the league for his next coaching job. Also would give him the ability to help his son, who I think is coaching up at the University of Washington now, where maybe he could do some things both ways that way. Pete Carroll, he does run the scheme. Uh, it would be a fun, it would certainly be a fun storyline. I mean, we saw Richard Sherman as the as a 49er, and a lot of people didn't think that was going to work. And now Sherman's one of the biggest 49ers defenders there is. So uh, again, you can never say never. It just seems really unlikely. And so uh, I think they're going to be in a position here where they've got to kind of figure out who they want to be, which Kyle Shanahan says they want to be the same kind of defense, but are they willing to take an inexperienced guy and start over again? Uh, like they did in the past, or are they going to try to push hard and spend a lot of money to go get one of those big names? And I think just as we sit here right now, less than 24 hours removed from the announcement, it's just too early to say who exactly they're going to land on. Nick Wagner covers the 49ers for ESPN joining us now. Um, how do they, can, how do they, or can they bounce back from another crushing playoff defeat? Like teams don't lose the Super Bowl. And then just go back the next year. It, it doesn't. It doesn't quite work like that. You've got George Kittle who's going to be 31. 
You've got Trent Williams who turns 36. You got Christian McCaffrey turning 28. It feels like they're not only are they up against it from just like an emotional bounce back standpoint, but they're starting to get up against it from like a just roster age standpoint. I think, I think it's the biggest thing that they've got to figure out because to me, if you just look at this team and say, oh, we're going to run it back and hope that we can get over the hump next year with just a new defensive coordinator, it's probably not enough. And, and I think I think we've reached a point – I'm working on a story about this, but I think we've reached a point where the Chiefs are the end boss, right? Like they're, they're going to be the team that you have to figure out how to beat. And I know that's weird to say because teams always talk about, oh, we got to win the division first. And so you talk about how you can beat the teams in your division. But I think the 49ers are at a point where they got to start thinking about what can we do to get past the Chiefs knowing that there's a good chance – if we get there again, they're going to be the team that we have to get past to get across the finish line. And to your point, Kyle, the problem is they're, don't, they're not going to be flush with cap space. They're not going to really be in a position where they can go make another big splash like they did last year with Javon Hargrave and free agency. You know, there's a lot of talk where they could, you know, they could cut guys and do those things. A lot of problem with that is, is that a lot of their guys have already been restructured. So if you're going to move on from any high-priced veterans and try to replace them with other high-priced veterans, that's going to be really tough to do. And so uh, I think they're going to have to really hope that they can get internal improvement that, you know, it starts with that defensive coordinator hire that maybe there's someone who they can bring in who can get that defensive line revved up to the level that it was the dominant level that they expected it to be. And the level that it was in 2019, because quite frankly, they did not They weren't bad, but they just weren't as dominant as you would hope, given the, the resources that they had invested. The other side of that is, they got to get that offensive line figured out. If you watch that Super Bowl again, and I understand people don't want to do that right away, but when Brock Purdy was clean in that, in that Super Bowl, he was really good. He was, yeah. he was right on the money, and, they, and he was hitting his receivers in stride, and they were making plays. But when he wasn't, which was a lot of times, I think I counted eight or nine times, there was a free rusher. And that's not bad blocking. That's bad communicating. And that's all part of it, right? you got to figure that out. So they got to get that offensive line figured out. I think that they're going to have to start looking at, at safety play. That's another issue. They're going to have to get a safety in there. I think another corner or, or two. I mean, if, if, if it's me, with all the draft picks they have, offensive line and defensive backs are, are the primary concerns. I also want another defensive lineman or two. They're probably going to have to get a linebacker because you don't know what Drake Greenlaw's situation is going to be. So there's a lot of things that they've got to kind of figure out. And, and the, the problem is, is not all those things are necessarily the things that are going to push you over the top if you just do one of them. If you can do all of them, Maybe it is, but uh, it is it is going to be a more difficult thing than I think a lot of people realize. All right, you are listening to the Insiders here on ESPN thirteen twenty. We have Nick Wagner from ESPN talking Forty ers Nick, I, you brought it up a little bit there, cursory, but they are what forty three million over the salary cap. And if this was NBA, I could break down the salary cap to its minutia and bore everybody here. But when it comes to the NFL, I'm not all that well versed. How is it that they're going to get under the cap? Can they keep Brandon Ayuk? How are they going to piece this thing together here in the coming months? Because it sure does feel like they're at this precipice moment where they could really fall off if if they don't bring some of these guys back. Yeah, I'll, I'll try not to bore every, at least at least bore everybody more than I already am anyway, uh, and get into the minutia <laughs> of it all. But I, I think I think if you look at I just think if you look at where they're at right now, they they are going to have about thirty six, thirty seven million dollars in cap space left over from this year that they're going to be able to roll over. So that puts them close to it. There's a couple other things they can do, uh, restructures and things like that. I, I don't think they're particularly worried about the cap as we go into next year. I, I say that with the caveat again of. They're not going to have a lot of space to go out and make moves. But what they can do, and I've written about this a couple times, and this is why I think the Niners were viewing this as a two-year window, at least with this group. I'm not saying that after after next year the window closes because there's a lot of different things that could happen. But 
as long as Brock Purdy is super cheap, which he is through this next year, he has to be. They just rules of the league. They cannot negotiate a contract extension with Brock Purdy until after his third season. So that gives them a little bit of wiggle room to make things happen where they can get under the cap and they can keep Brandon Ayuk. Now, Brandon Ayuk's number goes to a crazy place. Does that mean that they're going to be able to keep him? I'm not, I'm not sure about that. And that's what happened with DeForest Buckner. The 49ers wanted to keep DeForest Buckner. That's a misnomer out there that they were dead set on trading him. It just got to a point where his price tag got so high, they couldn't handle not only the keeping him, but kind of the opportunity cost of keeping him, where it was going to cost them two or three other players that they wanted to keep. If Brandon Ayuk's contract gets into that type of situation where you start getting into the 25, 26, 27 million dollar a year range, and you can make the case that he deserves that, uh, then it maybe becomes a little bit different conversation. But I say this too, they're in a position with Brandon Ayuk where his contract, where they would sign him the first couple of years, generally that number is pretty low. So he, next year, his number on the fifth year option is like 14 something million dollars, I believe. They could sign him to a deal where his number is six or seven and boom, you're under the cap. You've saved enough money that you're under the cap just right there. Now, the deal is not going to get done in time for that to matter. It's probably going to be late in, the, late in the off season if it gets done. But I say that to say, the big hits start coming in years three and four generally, or even year two of that deal, at which point then you're going to have other guys that start coming off the books, whether that's Eric Armstead, whether it's Charvarius Ward, it could be Debo Samuel. You know, he only signed a three-year extension. So there's, there's a lot of different things that play into this. And I think the way the Niners are viewing it is, is you have your nucleus right now, which is your George Kittles, your Eric Armstead's, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, and you're going to have to start transitioning into what your next nucleus is. And that is your Brandon Ayuk's, your Brock Purdy's. Those are going to be kind of the next generation of 49ers that they hope will extend this window for as long as possible. Uh, Nick Wagner covers the 49ers for ESPN. Uh, one of my favorite people to talk football with, but also one of my favorite people to talk hoops with. Uh, what did you think about the LeBron Warriors stuff? I honestly haven't thought about it at all, to be completely honest with you. Just terrible, terrible radio here. But uh, I, I, uh, that's my bad. That's my bad. I, 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 spent, I spent eight nights in Las Vegas. You tell me how long it takes to get over that. That's, <laughs> that's all I want to know. That's, that's, that's all I got. for. I mean, I can't say I'm shocked by it, right? Like, I mean, the Warriors have been clearly unafraid to try to make huge moves like that. But I can't say I'm surprised. <laughs> uh, Nick, thanks so much for taking time out today. Uh, we will uh, we will catch up with you a little bit later on in the offseason. You got it, guys. See ya. Appreciate you, buddy. It's Nick Wagner. Covers the 49ers for ESPN. Make sure to uh, check him out uh, at ESPN.com. That's <laughs> where you can find his work. Um, yeah, I should have prepped him for the LeBron Warriors thing. I just assumed he would have been he would have been on top of it. That's my fault. That's on me. Well, there was no banana boat like leading up to this. So we hadn't seen, you know, pictures of these guys all hanging out. And like, I, I would think it wouldn't be with, with Steph and, and LeBron at this point. It wouldn't be with Life S on and all of them getting pulled behind a, a ski boat. I think it would be more like, like a cigar bar somewhere. Like you could yeah. see like a GQ shoot with all of them sitting around smoking a cigar and like, hey, what if? What yeah. if the wind horse? What if? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. I like I I'm surprised, you know, like you guys are are big time. You've been in the the Warriors world for so long. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering if if LeBron goes to to 
San Francisco and joins forces, right? First of all, what does that mean? Who who leaves? Who who's still around? All that stuff. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of question marks that have to be like that would have to be chopped through there to get to a point, um, which I, I don't know they could ever be figured out. But if right. he's gonna like take a minimum deal and say, hey, let's go play this out, I kind of wonder if that would be the end of the super team. Like, what it you, would, like how so? It would be the super team, like the swan song of the superstar. Everyone join in together and like, let's go out in a blaze of glory because this seems like it's the superstar era. And LeBron was part of the superstar era where he goes to my, he takes his talents to Miami to go join yeah. two other superstars and they try to make a super team. And uh, it would kind of feel like maybe we should that, that era out into space and we let them close this out. And, and for me, I would hope it would end a very similar way that like, you know, the Carl Malone and Gary Payton going to the Lakers era ended. That's kind of how it would, although the, the difference is, is Steph and LeBron are both still playing at a high level. Oh, they're still great. But also, but also, but also if it doesn't work, you're right. Like nobody is going to look and go, Oh yeah, that's something we want to replicate. And I think with just with the backlash now, because for so long it was, it was, if you don't win a ring, your career is meaningless. Look at how people talk about Charles Barkley. Oh yeah. Charles Barkley is one of the greatest NBA players to ever lace up sneakers. And nobody takes him seriously because he didn't win a title because he ran into Michael Jordan. That's, That's nuts. Right. Yeah. So for so long and, and with LeBron, it was like, yeah, hey, nice little career you've got there, but no ring. So who are you really? And so he went to where you could he could go get a ring. Kevin Durant, same thing. And I think that that became such a hyper focus that everybody, all these stars who didn't have rings, wanted to start teaming up to get one. Yeah. And now that that is, I think, less of a less of a of a focus. At least, at least that's how it seems. It seems like there's more of a of a dedication to, I want to stay with this team that drafted me, but I'm going to put pressure on them to make the moves necessary to get us over the hump to a title. Yeah, I I think that every player, you know, again, we see Dirk Nowitzki get to play his entire career in Dallas, even though he wasn't drafted by Dallas. He's drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks and traded on draft night for Robert Tractor Trailer, like. Outside of that, like it just doesn't feel like that's the era we live in anymore where players get to play their entire career somewhere. And I I love the fact that Steph Curry might get to play his entire career in Golden State. And for all those guys, if all three of them played out their entire careers and just finished with the Warriors, that would be fine. I don't think it will happen that way. Uh, I don't think Clay's going to get his money. I, I don't think that, you know, like Draymond Green could could get traded to clear out cap space. Like there are a lot of things that could happen with that team, but mm-hmm. I miss that era. You know, I, I think it's, it's, it's sad that Carl Malone plays his entire career in, in Utah and you can hate Carl Malone. That's fine. Like whatever. But uh, the fact that him and John Stockton didn't end their careers as, as members of the jazz, mm-hmm. it's kind of lame. You know, I would like yeah. to see it. So, and, and as someone who's covered De'Aaron Fox since, you know, 2007 and, you know, watched him come into the league as a 19-year-old kid. I would love to see De'Aaron Fox finish his career in a Kings uniform. And that's possible. It's totally possible. But, like, I get it. Like, at some point, mm-hmm. you got to do what what uh, 
Damian Lillard did and say, hey, I need to go where I can actually win because that's not who you guys are now, and that's where I want to be. And so maybe we see, you know, like more of that like in the future. But LeBron is kind of his path as a superstar is kind of weird where he has bounced around. You know, it's not that he played for one franchise. He's played for one franchise twice, but he's also played for like a total of, you know, in different stops, like four different franchises. So, but he's been, but he's been so much. He's like, I feel like Kevin Durant gets dinged for that, right? He gets dinged for being on what is this, his fourth team? Is that what it is? Fourth team now? OKC, Golden State, yeah, Brooklyn and Phoenix. Yeah. So it's fourth team, fifth if you want to count the Sonics, but he's with his fourth franchise. Yep. And I think he gets knocked for that, but LeBron is not going to at least long-term because of just how dominant he's been at every single stop. Yep. Like he's just been, I, I know that people will use the decision against him forever or whatever, but like he's just been so individually great that by the end time, his career ends, nobody's going to be like, yeah, but he bounced around all those teams. Whereas I think if, if Damian Lillard had gotten out of Portland in 2013 or 14 or whenever, I think his his career is probably viewed a little bit differently, but I think a lot of people probably respect the fact that Dame stuck around in Portland as long as he did uh, to try and to try and win a title. Yeah, I've like never, he's what thirty three now, and yeah. he finally left there. I've never thought that KD like I, I don't know if it was ring chasing. Is it? It's five teams for KD because he he played for the Nets, right? So yeah, so we've got OKC, Oklahoma City, Golden State, Golden State. Nets. Brooklyn. Oh, okay, you're right. You're right. So four teams. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't even fault him because I was there while you know when they lost to the Warriors and saw that that series unwind, and mm-hmm. you know when he was with OKC, and I could see the anguish on his face. I could see that like being the only player with just him and Russell and no one else. Like not that they didn't have other players, but that that it was so hyper focused on what they did and that they meant everything to the team and. Every shot had so much importance. I mm-hmm. could just feel that he didn't want that. He wanted to be part of a team, not part of a, a group of two. Mm-hmm. And so I don't blame him for for going out and finding something different. So, Yeah. I just think there was so much backlash to it yeah. that now everybody's afraid to <laughs> request out and try and get out of where they, where they are. I yeah. think that's kind of a... And honestly, I think the league is better for that. No, I think so too. You have more players kind of sticking around with their team, but we'll see what happens with LeBron because there's the Bronny James factor as well. Is he just going to go sign with whatever team? Yeah. You know, winds up drafting him, but does he come out this year? That's a whole, that's a whole other, other thing. So going to be fascinating to see what happens at the end of uh, LeBron's career here. But the fact that he's 39 and it still moves the needle that he's going to go somewhere is, is pretty nuts. So, all right. Uh, that's it for us. We're going to give it over to D'Lo and KC uh, next. We'll be back tomorrow, as always, at 10 a.m. right here on ESPN 1320. James, any final thoughts on this Thursday? Final thoughts? Uh, no, enjoy your All-Star break. That's what I, I, yeah. I'm going to enjoy my All-Star break. You enjoy it, too. Yeah. Get some time off, James. But, hey, just because the Kings are off doesn't mean we are. We'll be right back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. on ESPN 1320. Sacramento Sports Later. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 